If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Welcome, everyone, to the chilly November 12th CU Podcast, Tuesday, November 12th, alongside Ian Ferguson. Howdy. I'm Pat Contry. Oh, boy, do we have a shindig of a podcast for you. I was trying to figure out what shindig meant. Shindig is like a party. Is a shindig? Are you you're digging up to your shin? I don't like know. Clam, I, I don't is it like, like clam digging? I don't know if there's a you can have a shindig of a podcast, but the podcast could be a shindig. Gotcha. A shindig. All right. Well, we're talking about uh, the Sonic trailer. Breaking news. We're talking about Google Stadia uh, revealing their launch lineup. A Fortnite YouTuber banned for cheating, which is funny. China initiating uh, video game uh, play limits for minors. Uh, some more stuff in a Q and A and a Patreon poll topic. Ian, you, did you have a good weekend? I did. It was fine. I didn't do anything special or fantastic. Okay. Did you watch the KSI versus Logan Paul fight, the, the rematch? No, all? I didn't even know there was a second one. Um, well, because the first one was a majority draw, even though everyone thought KSI won the first one. Um, and then this one was a split decision, and, and KSI uh, won again. And they made a ton of money off this stuff. I just think it's it's really interesting how people care about two YouTubers that are not boxers boxing. Like You can tell like they, they're like amateurs and... Why are people interested in this? This time, I um, I didn't even know that it happened. I didn't see it on Twitter. And granted, I wasn't online a ton this weekend. But the first time it happened, even though I think everyone was making fun of it, uh, a, lot, a lot of people were just, you know, it was out there. People were talking about it. I was aware of it. I wasn't aware of this one, which to me is good. Hopefully <laughs> says, yes, that maybe, just maybe a little bit, their star is starting to fall. Or people don't realize that it's just it's dumb. Bullshit. It's like celebrity boxing is stupid. Yeah, you're it's, never going to get something enjoyable out of it. It's just like oh, we're going to choose YouTuber sides for something. That I mean, they're not. That's not what they're, they're not known for fighting. They're known for being, you know, personalities Idiots. on you. Oh, okay, if you want to say that, I do. Okay, <laughs> I know we brought Logan, Logan Paul. Paul. I don't know what KSI even does. I'm guessing he just does commentary on games. I think he's British. I don't know anything about him. Uh, there, uh, book update. Uh, the book is. Uh, at the warehouse getting processed, all the pre-orders should be processed by Wednesday afternoon. So that's good. So after that, the Amazon listing will go up, and then it'll be for... I mean, you can you can still get it for sale on my site right now, but you're going to be in the back of the line from the pre-orders. So, Ian, if you liked it, you can leave a review on the Amazon page. You can be honest. Wink. Anyone out there gets a pre-order and enjoys it, please, please, uh, you know, rate it on the Amazon page once it's up in a day or so. And uh, leave a nice comment if you like it. You know, you can do it. No, Ian's going to be like, I'm going to leave the nastiest one-star comment. going to leave the worst. Positive. The worst. Um, where's the fire pro coverage? Um, uh, th- shout out to Disney sent us uh, Aladdin, uh, Lion King on Switch. Um, copy. Whoever published it um, there. Um, I played him. I actually streamed uh, over the weekend, Ian, twice. I pulled an Ian. Impressive. I, I, impressive. Very impressive. Uh, I streamed Aladdin. The Genesis version on Saturday, and then I did Lion King Genesis on Sunday. And um, I'll say straight out, the game is a great little package. 
Um, what's what's the retail at right now? It was thirty dollars. Twenty nine ninety nine. Twenty nine ninety nine. I think it's probably worth it if you're a fan of the games for that. The, there's a nice little museum section. There's interviews uh, with people that develop the games and composers. Um, there's there's like uh, soundtrack sections for for both games. You can just play it. And I sang a whole new world, of course, off the Genesis version of the soundtrack. Uh, there. And then there's the what I call the bonus games, which is the handheld Game Boy and Game Boy Color versions of both Lion King and of uh, Aladdin. There, I, I the only thing I didn't like before I get into the games themselves is I didn't like the menu. Um, I think I explained to you before is that when you load up the game, you have to choose which game. Then once you're in the game, you scroll left and right to go through the different versions of the game. So for Aladdin, uh, there are there's the regular version, there's the uh, whatever director's cut version where you said they fixed some stuff and then there's like the demo version um and then for lion king there's the genesis version super nintendo version uh, and the, game boy version and the game boy game color but to get to the, the handheld versions for both you got to press a button that says bonus games and then it goes to another screen with a different menu so it's basically like three layers of menus to play the games it's a little cumbersome but you get used to it um i like the latin a lot uh this is the first time i played through these games the uh, Aladdin was uh, obviously the animation was great. Uh, the music's good. You said you didn't play the director's cut version. Right? Oh no, I didn't realize. It. I played the regular one. Okay, so um, really enjoyable. The stage layouts were okay. It's a difficult game. Um, I think what they probably fixed without telling me. There's some little gameplay mechanic stuff that's kind of glitchy on the game, especially when it comes to jumping. Um, there's a lot of jumps you have to do. Where you, you know you're jumping one to one, you need full jumps, and if you slow down just a little bit, you do like a half jump. It's not controlled by the length you hold the jump button. There's a lot of half jump stuff that happens where you're like, what I the remember hell? that occurring when I would play it, like when I was younger. I think that uh, is one of the things they fixed was something about how the scrolling and jumping is it, it, it's it's fixed up because that. Let's put it this way: I could have beaten this one without the rewind function. It would have been cumbersome, uh, but there's a lot of continues and there's a lot of extra lives available. And the boss battles, I think, um, are okay. They're kind of uh, clever, but they usually come down to stand on one spot and jump and throw apples. I mean, that's pretty much what the boss battles are. So that was Aladdin, which I thought was enjoyable. I'd give like a six, six and a half out of ten, something like that. Uh, if they fix the mechanics, maybe I'd raise uh, the score. Uh, Lion King, though, is a, is a mess. It's a mess of a game. Um, and as I was playing it, I was realizing this was a game that was probably designed for kids. There's no way a child could have defe- beat that game. Oh, no. Every, everyone, um, ev- anyone you talk to who played that game when they're younger, um, they'll, they'll tell you the uh, the Wildebeest level. It's it's a nightmare. That wasn't even the worst for me. It was uh, the second level, um, you get that monkey puzzle where you got to roar at some of the mon- pink monkeys. They switched uh, sure. So So basically, there's three different screens of monkeys that it's like automatic like Sonic, where, like, you jump on it, it shoots you one way, it shoots another. So, I don't... When I, when I played it, it took me, like, 15 minutes. I was looking, I was like, what is going on? You have to do, like, things, like, three times and switch them over, but then you can't do the wrong one. I, I was thinking to myself, could an eight-year-old figure this out? And no, they probably couldn't. And then, uh, after that, the you know, the, the first person or third person wildebeest thing where you're running towards screen, that's not impossible, but that's not easy. Sure. Um, because it's hard to judge where you are, where the wildebeest are coming. And then... Once you turn into big Simba, where you actually have to use your claws, the the and you have to deal with the freaking hyenas. Forget it. Uh, when there's three or four on the screen at one time, you get like maybe three or four hit points in this game before you die. Um, there's the last stage where there's a cave maze to get to uh, Scar, but then with the cave maze, 
Every time you go back into a cave, the hyenas respawn, and you cannot go through the, the cave exits until you kill all the hyenas on each screen. It makes it uh, a slog, and at that point, I, it was not fun anymore, because with the hyenas, with their three or four on the, on the screen at once, it's not even skill-based anymore. It's like luck whether or not they're going to jump and hit you, or whether or not you can... Because it's like four claw hits before they die. So at that point, like this game is just... I was getting angry at the game. I was thinking, like, well, this game is, you know, is technically well produced, but the mechanics are so messed up on this game that I don't know who they produced this game for, because I don't. I was and I was playing on normal difficulty too, and sure. it was just really way too hard. There's no way I could have beat Lion King without using the rewind function. There's just no way in hell. So thankfully, they put the rewind function in, which is cool to do that uh, there. But thanks for the, the copy. I still think it's worth it for twenty nine ninety nine. Twenty nine ninety nine to check it out, but Lion King's a really, really rough game. There, um, you want you want to check out the new Sonic trailer, Ian? Let's do it. Let's do it. Sonic trailer was released this morning here. Uh, let's uh, let's put, pump the volume. Pump up the volume. Then we'll, we'll put it on the screen here. Here, let's uh, make it widescreen, and we'll hit play here. Watch out for my nerd pencil. I'm Sonic, a little ball of super energy. In an extremely handsome package. On my planet, people were always after my powers. So I came to yours. It gets a little lonely, but that's okay. I am living my best life on Earth. What? Ow! The place Sonic! The Pitch Mount also Sonic! Better intro introducing the character mm -hmm. in this trailer. Ugh, I can't with that guy. It's not like they changed the movie. Uh oh. Oh, uh... shit. Why are you hiding out in my garage? They're coming for me. If they steal my power, they could conquer the universe. You have to help me. No, I don't. Please, it's life or death. Good morning, my rural chum. Mr. Dr. Robotnik. I'm going to give you five seconds to tell me where it is. Wait, don't hurt him. <laughs> Road trip. Uh. This can't be happening to me. Oh, my God, stop the car right what? now. What? The world's largest rubber band ball? We got to see it. No, this is not some fun family road trip. Eh, you're right. It was lame. Gift shop was cool, though. What, did he steal that stuff? How'd he buy it that quickly? <laughs> He's got gold rings. Creatures. I'm going to uncover the source of its power. Yeah. Oh, my God. I just thought you might like a latte with steamed Austrian goat milk. Of course I want a latte. I love the way you make them. We gotta lay low. Let me show you how it's done. So should we get out of here? Yeah, time to go. I always want to do this. Nailed it! Hey. Oh. Uh oh, let's go! Here comes the boom! How are you not dead? I have no idea. Oh! Give me a big fat break! That was an illegal left, by the way. Oh, this one is cute. Let's keep him. Oh, come on! You've got car insurance, right? Why would you throw your life away for this silly little alien? Good time. He's my friend. Let's go! This is my power. And I'm using it to protect my friends. Let's go! Let's go! So, 
You're supposed to be Tom's best friend that he won't shut up about. Well, I don't see the appeal. That is very gross. Let's go. All right, Ian. So, what, what do you, they, they redid Sonic? They made it look more like a plush creature than a lifelike creature there. They gave him the bigger eyes. and I mean, my take on it is it's a better trailer overall. It's a better trailer. I mean, they, re, they, re, uh, they recut it better. Um, I think he looks, obviously, a hundred times better. A uh, hundred? Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, the original Sonic looked like shit. I, I know you don't like Sonic that much, so you, you didn't see is much of an issue in the original model, but the original model was absolutely fucking atrocious. The teeth, the teeth bothered me the most. The teeth were awful. The tiny beady eyes. Um, I, I still don't think it looks like a particularly good movie, but it's a video game movie. The movie looks terrible. Yeah. I mean, the, the trailer is cut better, but it, it shows the holes in this movie where I'm sick of, I guess, road trip movies where yeah. it's the cheapest way to do a movie. It was like, Oh, we'll just go to a bar and get in trouble. Now right. we'll go over here and get in trouble. And you can guarantee that, like, a good probably 40 minutes of the movie is them on the road, like the middle of the movie, where this is the cheapest possible way you can make a movie. Well, and we had, you know, we had very uh, cool, very neat, um, you know, car insurance jokes, because that's, you know, timely and, and modern. This is a cheap-looking movie, is the best way I can, I can, yes. I can put it. Um, it's like no big, no big, like, when you think of things like the Pokemon movie, where they have, like, huge, like, CG cities and... A big action sequence was with all these moving parts, and if that, it's just let's just Sonic just uh, face down this little, uh, little like airplane looking thing on the road, like or face down a tank. That's what Sonic's going to be dealing with. Well, I don't think. I mean, no one expected the. I mean, when, when they went back to the drawing board to redo Sonic, no one thought they were going to come back with a better movie. They did. Sure. They can't come back with a better movie. And <laughs> they no, can't come back with a better script. It's too late. And, and no one thought that this movie was going to be good in the first place. Um, yeah, I, you're falling off the screen, by the way. You got to come a little closer, buddy. There you go. I do think that uh, it looks a lot better. And uh, I don't think a lot of the people who are going to go see it care if the movie is particularly good or not. They want to see the character represented in some way, shape, or form. So I, I think that, honestly, more people now will probably go see this movie than they would have in the first place. I still don't think it's going to be a ton. Like I said, I don't think it's going to rate very well. Um, when does this come out? What was that? February? February. Where movies usually are released to die. Um, uh, let's see. Sonic movie release date. No, the humor was... Uh, February 14th. Fairly poor. <laughs> fairly? <laughs> fairly poor. Uh, that's me being nice. I actually like the I like the Sonic joke where he goes to the, the, he goes to the, the biggest rubber ball, whatever the hell it was. I like I like that stuff, sure, but that, there's only so many times you can run through jokes like that, where it's like, oh, the joke is that he's just fast, and it's like, okay, right? We, I mean, it was, it. That, that's cute enough. I like the fact that he reads Flash comics. I mean, that makes oh, sense. I get it because he's fast. But um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, character, much... it's a character that's just fast. I mean, that's what there's there's not a whole lot is. more to say. I, well, there's years I mean, and years and decades. Uh, there's there's decades of the comics now. They can do stories, but they can't do stories like this one. They can't do an insert him into a human world and have there be a, a movie. There's just no story. So we'd rather just do the animated movie. Just like, um, the, like the Super Mario Bros. movie is just going to be animated and it'll be great. Right. You know, it should have done that. Yeah, it, should, it shouldn't be a live action movie to begin with. It shouldn't be a Sonic finds himself in this world of humans. Um, uh, getting licked by a dog. <laughs> but uh, I, I do like, I, I thought it was amusing that the trailer both opened and closed with very clear shots of his of eyes. Of his big anime-sized eyes. Of his big giant <laughs> eyes. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, as far as it goes, I mean, to the visual effects team, kudos. I think he looks he looks very good. Uh, doesn't change the fact that the movie is probably going to be a massive, massive disappointment. Oh, oh yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be critically panned most likely, um, and then it will probably not, especially since they they had to you know spend more money to redo this all. It probably you know it will make a profit most likely. Right. So enjoy your Sonic movie. We'll see you in two thousand forty uh, for the next one then. Real quick on Disney Plus. Disney Plus just uh, launched today, mm-hmm. and uh, you said that you you weren't really feeling it right now. Um, at the time, I, I, I will pick it up. I'm I'm really interested in the Mandalorian. I really am. Um, I'm not sure if it's a, a, enough for that alone, but there's other offerings on there, and they're going to get more stuff. I think I think once the Marvel stuff starts starts coming next year, is when people will start really talking about it more. I mean, my thing is this is what I was kind of thinking about last night, and it goes into a recent conversation we had. All the Marvel stuff in the world doesn't matter if I don't want to watch any of it over again. The movies. As far as the TV shows go, we'll we'll have to wait and see, I guess, how they come out. But I just, I don't see myself ever wanting to go back to the Marvel movies. Um, I would like to watch The Mandalorian, but they're dripping it out. You know, they're doing, a, week. They're doing a, a traditional release uh, they're also, schedule. They also announced the, I'm really excited about for the Ewan McGregor uh, Obi-Wan limited series. They're going to do limited I mean that that's going back into a realm of Star Wars that I don't particularly care about anymore. You know, I, I, I like like we've talked about. I'm done with the Jedi stuff. I, I, I can't sure. I can't get excited about seeing Obi Wan. Well, that the only reason, fucking again. The only reason that's good because he he was like the bright shiny well, star no, of that prequel. Trilogy. I love you and McGregor. And they were supposed to do the movie. Remember that was one of the first standalones they they announced, and now this is the way that, to get around it. And I think these, it's much better to have these as. As uh, I think, I think the future to me for for Star Wars will be these TV shows versus the movies. It definitely sh- can be, and I, I think be, I think it point. would be more enjoyable that way. And I'm I'm just like Star Trek. Let's move on to an episodic thing. You can it, more character development, more realistic, grounded stuff over time in that universe. And I have a feeling that the Ewan McGregor uh, Obi Wan show will be good, but that I have even less interest in than almost anything else that's been mentioned. It's just it's 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 ground that's been treaded. Um. I would like to see the Mandalorian, but honestly, I'll wait a couple of months until it's got a. I'll, I'll invite you over to the house. We can have we can have man- set up of. We can have Mandalorian Tuesdays wherever the hell it comes out, <laughs> or we can wait to binge watch it. You know, so I don't know. I'll, I'll probably cash in that free. Was uh, it eight bucks a month? How much is this thing? I don't know. Seven bucks a month, if you, unless you get it for the whole year. It's like it's twelve ninety nine a month, but oh, no, that's for the Disney Plus plus ESPN plus Hulu. And it's oh, it's ad supported Hulu, which stinks for twelve ninety nine a month. Oh, that's ridiculous! Give me ad free for that. Jesus Christ, I hate ad Hulu. Can't stand it. Prime, you get maybe a thirty second bumper in front of the stuff, but you can fast forward through it. Uh, speak, speaking of Prime, real quick, uh, did season two of Jack Ryan better than season one? It's still it's still just you know Clancy stuff. It is it's like a fine B show, B plus, but it's fine if you if you're into that stuff. Um, all right, Disney Plus, I'll, I'll check it out there. And um, you know you the other offerings coming on to that, but you know we're, we're not yet at the at the spot where I'll be buying you know five of these a month, five streaming services. I think two or three is fine. Yeah, I have to check if if I get home and the new Ducktales is on there, which I think it is, I'll cash in my free trial and watch it all this week, and then cancel it again. Okay, well there you have it. Or or you know, wait just wait three months, and then when all the Mandalorians out there, you can just uh, get it all at the same time. What is it? Ten episodes? Eight episodes? What is it? Uh, now, now, now it's invoked. Uh, ten is fine. Eight to ten episodes is fine for a standalone season. We don't need to do thirteen. Like those Marvel series, some of those should not have been thirteen episodes. They really dragged some of those out. 
the Luke Cages and uh, the first season of Jessica Jones should have been like seven episodes. Well, especially when you're in, in with something that's released weekly, I understand you, you want to commit to like a season, a certain season length, especially if you were on TV. But that was the thing that always drove me nuts about the Netflix ones. There was no reason to have 13 episodes. You weren't. No, you weren't filling a season you didn't have 13 weeks of tv to fill you had a day's worth of tv to fill because people binge the stuff so you could have done six episodes you could have done eight. eight i don't i don't see how there was any benefit to them forcing 13 episodes out of so many of those because so many of those would have been better uh as eight to, episodes I, or even 10 yeah. cut cut three hours off of any of those and they would have been much better absolutely absolutely um i think jack ryan was eight episodes like that was perfect length for that that's all you need you need i couldn't imagine it being five more hours sure like i, I would have lost my mind at that point plus i mean i think people at least when you get older you have less time to binge this stuff i mean i did jack ryan over two and a half days and that's well, not eight hours 45 or 50 minutes times eight that's like six and a half hours i've never been able and to binge anything i feel i feel dirty I, like five hours in i'm like i can do two or th ugh. three three in a row three times 45 minutes that's like what is that two hours 15 minutes i can do that and that's i'm like okay i'm good there and that's usually like late at night and i fall asleep and have to rewind the next day <laughs> all right so there, there you have it there all right anything else before we move on in our hodgepodge shin digging uh <laughs> intro no okay all right ian google stadia is gonna, oh god is gonna uh, launch next week to early adopters early adopters who might we should really need to get this out of the way right now early adopters who need to pay ten dollars a month there is no free google stadia until next year so then who's going to be early adopting people who love Google and want to get... Yes, to... people who love uh, Google and think that this Go is against all all evidence this is going to be a great idea. I'm sorry, I'm, I, I'm jumping right into it because uh, Google Stadia is absolute... Uh, this is dog shit. This is just dog shit. So here's their launch. Here's their launch oh, lineup. Oh, there goes our monetization. Assassin's YouTube. Creed Odyssey. Destiny 2, which is free to play. I'll get into that. Guilt. Just Dance 2020. Kine, Mortal Kombat 11, yipes, Red Dead Redemption 2, Samurai Showdown, another yipes, because uh, these are fighting games. Um, Thumper, Tomb Raider Definitive Edition, Rise of the Tomb Raider 20-Year Celebration Edition, Shadow of the Tomb Raider Definitive Edition. So, of your 12 launch titles, one quarter of your lineup is Tomb Raider games. Okay. Those are all the new ones, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, Samurai Showdown and Mortal Kombat 11 are fighting games, which we can... Sure, I will wait and see what people say next week, but fighting games on a streaming service equals just a, a, a massive potential for failure. Okay. Because of the timing and the inputs. Latency. Yes, because of latency. You have Destiny 2, which is free to play on every other system now. It's free to play on this, but you have to pay that $10 a month. Okay. Which I guess technically you're paying for your your PlayStation Network and stuff like that. But um, you can play it on PC. You're paying for your internet. But still, the fact that you're still like at launch, you get this and you have to pay $10 more than what you paid for your Google Stadia Founders Edition controller. And uh, you get Destiny 2. Every, every one of these other games you have to pay for. None of these are exclusive. None of these are new. Most of these are a year old. Six months to a year old. How did the, the latest Samurai, Samurai Showdown, how, the, how was that reviewed? Pretty well? Pretty well. Pretty well? Yes. I got to check that out. I like Samurai Showdown. Okay. So, then for the end of the year, they're going to be able to buy. They're going to be able to buy, Ian. You're going to be able to wait to buy. You can purchase. 
Borderlands Three. That's just funny. Before the end of the year, you'll be able to buy them. Borderlands Three, which is already out. Attack on Titan 2, Darksiders Genesis, Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2, which, Christ, is like two or three years old at this point. Farming Simulator 19. Can't wait to buy that one. Final Fantasy 15, two years old. Uh, Football Manager 2020, Ghost Recon Breakpoint, Grid, Metro Exodus, NBA 2K20, and then you can have the joy of buying things within NBA 2K20. Rage, <laughs> Rage 2, Trials Rising, and Wolfenstein Youngblood. Which is what, a year and a half old? Two years old? Wolfenstein Youngblood? Uh, yeah, no, Youngblood I think is the m- most recent one. I think that's I think that's somewhat more. Oh, it just I, came I out? Know. Yeah, I think that's more. That's 2019. Recent. Yeah. Okay. So, none of these games are necessarily bad. As a matter of fact, I mean, of the ones I've played on here, they're all pretty good. But it's such a... By the way, Ian, before we get into that, you can get these all in, um, in 4K resolution... And HDR support and gameplay at 50 frames per second and 5.1 surround sound. If you're paying the 9.99 a month, yes, yeah. Um, so next year, Google Stadia will have a free version, which basically you just pay for the game and it will let you stream it anywhere. And I think that's supposed to be the big selling point for something like Stadia is that you can basically play it on anything. You can stream it to anything. Anything that sure. has a Stadia app, you can play it on your iPhone. I believe love Stadia app. I don't know about that. Android phones will but, definitely yeah, have Stadia. Or an Android tablet. Yeah. You can take it on the go. Tablets. Sure. It even said phones because you're literally just streaming it. So there's sure. really no reason why you couldn't do it on your phone, which is neat. But to, for this to be able to work, you need really solid internet and a solid infrastructure. And you need a, a bandwidth that doesn't cap. Right. That's so, the most important thing so in this the, equation. The one thing that could be potentially interesting about Stadia, the ability to kind of, you know, use your games library on everything, is going to be severely hamstrung by the fact that you need insanely good um, internet, high bandwidth, and we, I mean, we, and that's if the service itself is up to snuff. So, I have Cox. Uh, Gigablast, which is the fiber optic here. Mm-hmm. So you, in theory, you get your own dedicated line. It comes to the house, and it's up to one up, up to one gig up and one gig down. It doesn't usually work out that way. Even if you're plugged in, you'll get like, you know, five, you'll get like half half a gig up. Excuse me, half a gig down, maybe like two or three hundred up. It's all you need for anything. And even on Wi-Fi, it's strong. I still have a data cap, Ian, of a terabyte a month. With with if I'm streaming like Red Dead Redemption Two. Even 1080p, I'll probably blaze through that. Sure. I'll probably blaze through that within, I don't know, without doing the math, a week or a week or two of like a few hours a day probably getting through that. Um, That's I'm, not a lot. Yeah, I don't know anything really about that, so I'll, I'll stay, keep my mouth shut on that. I don't know how long it would take, but I remember them saying that uh, early on there was like their their estimate for you know the usage of the service was pretty high. I don't think it was a terabyte. But it was uh, definitely in the um, definitely in the high double digits. Bandwidth usage. Here we go. Okay. Uh, the best possible quality state will use 35 megabits per second of data per second, or about 15.75 gigabytes per hour. Oof. At Google at Google's minimum quality, which no one will play, uh, it'll be 4.5 gig per okay. hour. So you want uh, you know what? I'll even out. We'll just so we'll 15 s- gig an hour. We'll, we'll just say how about we say 12? We'll just say 12. We'll, we'll like split the difference there. So we'll do some pat math there. So a thousand divided by twelve. That gives you a good eighty-three hours of, of playing a month. 
if you're doing it like in moderate in the moderate sort of uh, bandwidth. Eighty three hours a month before you get, to cap- and that doesn't include you using your your net for everything else in your house for streaming your Netflix, streaming your Disney Plus. So it's not, that's that that's just if you have it dedicated to that. Sure. So this is not viable. And eighty three hours of games a month is you know that's high for me, but for a lot of people who play games, especially the people I think who would be most interested in this, people who keep up to date on new gaming services and things like that, um, I have a feeling that eighty three a month would actually be, you know, if this was to be their dedicated platform well, of 20 choice, hours a week. That's that's not a lot. And again, that's, that's 20 gonna, hours a that, week. That, that's going to go fast. If I'm not doing 4K, and if I'm not using my internet for anything else in the house. Right. And if I have a plan like that, where I'm lucky enough to get a data cap that high, because I don't know if that's, that's probably not normal to have a, a terabyte data cap. It's probably a lot lower than that for, for most plans. So this is a disaster yeah. in the making, because technically... And we're not even talking about input lag. So, for like, like you said, if like Red Dead Two, you're probably okay. But for a fighting game, it, you may not, unless you have that really solid plugged in, you know, solid connection off of a, a fiber optic. Forget it. Well, I have a I have a friend named Dan who does a a, a channel called Gigaboots, and it's mostly about video quality latency he does a lot of stuff like that and he actually pre-ordered this and it's he's getting it next week and i'm excited because he does a lot of latency con- like tests for for systems and games between between controllers and sure. the delay and that's like what a lot of like those are his most popular videos and i really really want to see what mortal Kombat 11 and samurai showdown look like on this and uh, i have never been more excited for someone to throw their money away and they know they're doing that but like i want to see what this looks like i cannot wait for these tests to come out and, and, and see what this looks like because everyone, even the defenders are. Even if this worked fantastically, the defenders are completely looking over the fact that Google has such a history of creating something and then letting it die. So even if this works well, if this isn't generating a ton of money for them, I just don't see this being a thing. From I was saying a year prior, now I'm saying six months. I feel like this is DOA. And this is why I I don't know why they didn't do market research. Did they did they like they probably should have said, okay, let's look around the entire U.S. Who even has the internet capabilities to support this? Like, what is the? I would probably say off the top of my head, not even forty percent of the U.S. could have a plan like I do that supports this. If you're in the sticks, you're not getting fiber optic. There's a lot of uh, cities that don't have fiber optic yet to even get that cap or that speed that you're going to need in order to get thirty five megabits per second. What is stable? What is their thirty-five? What is their desired install base here? Like, the, yeah, like yeah, who that, do they that's want? a question that they should have asked. Like, how many people do you need to sign up for this for it to be viable? And are there is there even that? Does that market even exist in a number in the U.S.? Like, does it, do does that many do that many people in the U.S. actually have internet that can sustain that? Uh, they're like, well, we're in Silicon Valley here; it's fine. Yeah, what if you step outside of there? What do you, you know? What if you go a hundred miles east? Is there internet to support that? Well, and, <laughs> and that goes back to like in my head how I feel like this came about, and I'm probably Jesus wrong. Christ, but I feel like, um, someone decided they wanted to see if it could be done. And it could be. So then they decided that it must be done. Oh, the Jurassic Park thing. Okay. I guess. I wasn't even thinking about it until it started coming out of my mouth. Like yeah. they, they could have. Until I started saying I didn't realize how close it was. But it's like, 
did it start as like a, a fun experiment to see if they could do it, and then they decided to turn it into a full fledged product? I, I whatever. Oh, according to this article, Business Insider, they say the average download speed for American households using broadband using broadband internet. So you have to have that available. Okay was 96.25 megabits per second, according to Ookla, a firm that monitors and analyzes internet uh, throughput. Okay. That wouldn't be dedicated, though. That would be a, probably a shared, because most internet plans you get, you share the bandwidth with your neighbors. If you get, if you get, it's not a dedicated line for most people. So, like, for example, when I used to watch Netflix when I first moved here before I got fiber optic, on Saturday nights, when everyone else was watching it, I would get the processing, you know, sure. real. That stopped once I got my dedicated fiber optic. So think about that. Think about that 96 average. That's not like, you know, peak. That's not when, you know, you have four people in your house. That's uh, 96 if no one else is if doing anything. no one else is doing it in your neighborhood and it's just you on your uh, TV looking at, you know, a red tube or whatever. Right. Which I'm not sure I've done before. You know, that's that's basically what you're looking at. That's, a to me, a, a, a not really telling you what's really happening there. And really, to me, it still comes down to the bandwidth. At the end of the day, the, that bandwidth is a killer for most people. Because my, my, if, if mine's really one terabyte, uh, I won't hit that unless I do a lot of downloading uh, of things, a lot of torrenting, I guess. I don't know. But if, I'm also one person. If I'm, again, three or four people in a household and you're all doing Netflix, you're all doing Hulu Plus, forget it. That's going to be gone. Plus regular internet stuff. So... Wow, we'll see. We'll see. I'm really curious to see what the uh, once this launches, how many people they're going to get to sign up for this service. I'll be shocked if they get like twenty thousand people that think this is a good idea. Yeah, because I don't know. Again, we don't know what the market is. Is it tech bros that have all the bandwidth in the world that love Google? Like Google, Google doesn't. Google's not like Apple. People don't love the Google brand like they do Apple yeah. to start it. You know what I mean? To to get in bed with them just from that alone. There's got to be a reason to do it. I think it'll be people that just do it as, as a lark to have money to burn, that have you know, rich people. This is for go, oh. people who like to engage in the marketplace of ideas. Everything is just theoretical to them. It's like, oh, we can see if this... They don't actually want this to be a viable product. They just want to say, hey, it works. It, it's, it, it's like a toy. I don't, I don't understand oh. the point of this. PC Gamer said that 4K state would be only 65 hours it would take. 65 hours. So my asset was based upon... Well, we did. We, we rounded. Yeah, we went down. So we 65 did. hours... And then uh, Stadia will, will likely take a toll on cellular cellular data plans as well. Oh, that's great. I didn't think about that. Uh, since streaming since streaming in 720p at 10 megabits per second will roughly use 4.5 gigabyte per hour. So so fuck that. This that's is no I'm longer saying. viable for even on the go. The interesting part of Stadia, the ability to play these games technically on anything that you can throw an app on, is shot out the window when you realize that you really can't. I mean, there are unlimited data plans, but they're not really unlimited. Like, they'll, they'll cap you at some point. Sure. They will. Uh, I think most people, uh, shout out to Mint Mobile, who does a, a five-gig plan, mintmobile.com, so I see your podcast. Um, you know, 20 bucks a month, they'll give you like seven gigs of data. Most people will never use that, especially since you're at home on Wi-Fi. So, like, that's reasonable. But most people aren't streaming games. Again, that's a lot different than even watching movies. Sure. That's, a, that's nuts. This is just like, and this isn't even being like, oh, well, the sky is falling, worst case scenarios. We're talking about average scenarios for the average person where this is not a viable product. Yeah. This gets worse and worse the more you look at it. Well, we'll see. We'll see if we get, get even 20,000 people that sign up for this. How many people signed up for the early adopter? Do we know that? Is there numbers on that? Actually, I have no clue. Google Stadia early adopters. 
How many? Now I'm curious to see how many people got into this. I don't even know. I'm trying to look for it. Okay, well, there you go. I have a feeling there'll be some sort of numbers next week. Uh, Have fun having your internet either throttled or getting that bill at the end of the month for like $800 for a day to use because you played Red Dead for for more than 15 hours a week. Because that's basically what you're capped down to at 4K. Or tw- you want to say 15, uh, 20 hours, 20 hours a week, Ian. That's all you get there. If you're not doing anything else, maybe you have to buy a separate... That, that's the key. You have to buy a separate dedicated internet just for your Google Stadia. There you go. Like when you have a teenager and you get them their own phone line. Yeah, back in the mm-hmm. 80s and 90s, my sister had her own phone line with her, with her see-through, uh, see-through phone. You know, the see-through phones with the cord yeah. on them. Those are great. The, the banana-shaped phones. That, that's the name for them. The oblong phones. Anyway. All right, we're moving on. All right, Ian. Uh, you know, big news in uh, in Fortnite recently. Uh, a YouTuber was banned uh, for cheating and then making a YouTube video about it in Fortnite. Seventeen-year-old uh, Brit uh, Jarvis K. Fortnite pro uh, Faze is in the Faze clan or Faze clan. Jarvis got a lifetime ban for using aimbot. Um, so he has over 2 million subscribers. So the original video got 9.5 million views and he, it was him, uh, using an aimbot in regular public matches, not competing, but still playing people right. and demonstrating how he's cheating and laughing at, Oh, look at this. I'm using an aimbot. And, um, and, and so Epic's like, you're banned, you're banned, you cheated. We have evidence you're banned. So then he did an apology video saying, I'm sorry, he's crying in the video, saying, you know, it was, he's wanting to show people that this is something that's out there. You know, the whole the whole defense, like, when you when you pirate something, I just want to show it's out there. That's why I'm yeah. spreading you the link there. People have done that with my book, uh, believe it or not. Um, so, um, our pal, our pal uh, Ninja came out and said it shouldn't have been a lifetime ban because people like, like um, Jarvis here make their living off of playing Fortnite. So Ninja that was gross. Every time Ninja opens about his mouth, like I, 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 I like him less. Um, we have a brunch scheduled. You can't say that. I can, and we I did. Most of brunch. So, so this was interesting to me in this situation. Is that I don't know what seventeen-year-old. Remember, this is a seventeen-year-old. Okay, kind of still, he's still a kid. What you would expect to happen when you publicly cheat and use it really to make money as well on your YouTube channel. Right. Do that. Like, what do you how, what do you expect Epic to do at that point? I'm just wondering, like, what you, I guess there was no thought process. Of what you expect Epic to do? Give you a slap on the wrist or say, "No, this is okay. You're a giant YouTuber and you play and you're a competitor, and so now you're cheating in one of our games. You're breaking terms of service. Uh, you're, you're making it a shit game for everyone else. Right. That is not watching the YouTube video and laughing about it. So, like, what did you expect was going to happen? Yeah, I, I don't. I, d- I don't think that Epic overreacted. Um, if you eliminate the age of the kid, uh, this is something that I think would be expected of a company like Epic if this was you know, happening with any other player. Um, it makes the game look bad, which makes Epic look bad. Yes. Um, and that's a big thing that they've got to you know, take care of. But um, I don't know. Just have a little bit of self awareness over what's going on. You're not untouchable, and I think that's I think that's one of the things is these these upper level players, as evidenced by Ninja's response, think they're untouchable and think they're invincible because they make money off the game. They think they're making Fortnite 
they think they're making epic their money. No. no, you they could disappear. And, I, and I'm sorry. Yes, it, I mean Ninja's huge, and I'm sure Fortnite might take a little bit of a hit, mm. but but not also not. Epic is making you money. Don't get it fucking twisted, guys. You're not doing them any favors. Uh, this is this was our, our proud ninjas quote. There's a difference between a content creator who has millions of subscribers, hundreds of thousands of followers, who gets banned from literally what makes him money, and some kid who is a piece of shit, who has absolutely zero following, has zero money that comes from gaming and hacks. Ninjas said in a stream on Mixer. You're you, gross. You ban that kid, nothing happens to him, nothing happens. Oh no, he can't shoot anymore. You ban Jarvis, it's different, the stakes are different, it should be handled a little bit differently. But maybe oh, he shouldn't oh. have fucking cheated. So, so, so Ninja's argument is a class structure where laws yes, apply ex- differently no, to different exactly. people. Yes, he's a better person, so he should. He, 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 yeah, exactly. He makes mo- he's better at the game, and he makes more money at the so game, and he, he has more so followers. The, the rules so shouldn't he apply. Should, yeah, exactly. It, it's it's typical. Uh, the rules don't apply to us. Bullshit. Uh, you, it's one percent bullshit. Just look at the situation. Well, it's hundred percent bullshit, but it's one percent. One percenter of a gamer bullshit. Yeah. Just look at the situation. It needs to be handled different because it's different. A content creator who's cheating, a, a content creator cheating whose entire life is about the game he's playing, and some random who has no YouTube channel, no Twitter account. He doesn't even care. He just cheats. He hacks to hack. You ban one, you ruin his life. You ban the other, he makes another account and keeps cheating. It's different. It has to be handled differently. Ruined his life. Let's, okay, let's back up. So according to this article here. Uh, from Eurogamer, that uh, this guy has made uh, estimated two million pounds fortune off of this game uh, from the streaming and what have you, um, and is earning uh, twenty-seven and a half thousand pounds—that's more than dollars—in advertising over, over the last month alone through his YouTube channel with two million fans through the estimate number of views. That doesn't include you know what he gets for. Uh, competing and obviously when he streams and things like that so this kid's done well someone should have stepped in and slapped him and be like you got to be careful about this but then again his mom probably doesn't know what the hell he's uploading to youtube uh at the at this point but i'll say this if you're if your life is so dependent by the way it's not this kid could stream anything else he has so many followers he'll stream whatever he can move apex on. legend whatever the hell. he's gonna be he'll fine. be fine ninja all right they'll make it awkward at our brunch anyway so if you know your, that your livelihood depends upon a free-to-play game... Then don't fucking cheat. Then don't cheat. think it's cute to do the video showing an aimbot and breaking terms of service clearly and pissing off Epic Games. Don't do it. Yeah. You got you got a sweet deal, kid. You got a really sweet deal. Yeah. All don't you, fuck it. Just don't do something stupid like this. All you had to do is not cheat. This is like... It'd be like, this would be like a baseball player... That like put up a YouTube video. This is hey, I'm injecting steroids. Let's see how much farther I can hit the baseball now. And expecting major league baseball not to do anything. And then another baseball player, well, so you can't you can't ban the baseball player because this is his livelihood. You can ban the you can ban a, a kid in high school who's shooting up steroids to hit the ball farther because it doesn't matter to him. He can go, no. He can, <laughs> that's I mean, a, that's the dumbest thing I've ever yeah. heard. Uh, the last thing I'd say. I mean, I, the, I really have no not much more to say about this. But I'll say this. He's 17. I, I, I do he's believe only 17. people, and, and that doesn't mean, I don't think he's, he's definitely old enough to make the right choices. But what I'm getting at is he's young. People change. I do get kind of tired of this current thing in, I don't know, the social sphere where, you know, people aren't allowed to... Um, you can make mistakes. People aren't allowed to learn from mistakes. People aren't allowed to come back from mistakes. Look, if they want, like, three years... It, Give him a fucking shot. Sure. You know, you can put a time limit on it. I don't think it needs to be permanent. I do think it needs to be very long. 
Um, I think it needs to be shown that, you know, he realizes that he was being a fucking asshole. Um, but the thing is, is like, also when I think about it, what I would consider like an appropriate band, say three years, um, who knows if Fortnite's still going to be the big thing when it, when, when the band's well, over. I don't, I don't mind giving him a lifetime ban. Sure, I don't mind at right. all. Uh, well, you're right, because he can, he can move on to something else and learn. He's not going to be destitute. His his video, that video got, he was doing, he was averaging looks like about a million, 600,000 views, uh, 350,000 views. Every time I die, I buy something from the item shop. Just, you know, shit like that. Winning, using only fishing loot. And then this got 10 million views because this was, you know, wide news. This this apology. Uh, I guess he took the aimbot video down. That's probably a good thing. Yeah. Um, and then the the future of of of, of Phase Jarvis got almost three million views. Like the oh, and there's footage of him as a kid on VHS, and like, what's my future hold? Oh it's my god! Fucking, shut up! You're gonna be fine, kid. Shut up! If, if you never play Fortnite again, you're gonna be fine streaming other games. Nope. You're gonna be fine. This is also a pretty clear indicator that it's a 17 year old thinking their life is over because something happened to them you broke up with a girl you, you move, yes, you're gonna move on right okay <laughs> it's not the end of the world you broke up with Fortnite. you got slapped around a little bit by by uh pop papa epic you're gonna be fine you're in a great spot jarvis you're in a great spot you got nice hair too be happy about that i don't know nice head of hair on him there uh, i'm looking at there i love you guys oh the first comment the top comment <laughs> The top comment on the future of Jarvis. This man sound like he just got out of jail trying to turn his life around. <laughs> you cheated in a game, game, yeah, and got caught for it. You didn't go to jail. You didn't pay a fine. You're okay there. All right? Imagine if everyone just made it. Imagine if everyone made a whole documentary just because they got banned on a game. <laughs> it's so funny that the comments realize this is... Uh, Jarvis being a millionaire living in a mansion. Also, Jarvis, my life is over. over. <laughs> you're 17 and you have questionable hair. I don't think I think the hair is fine. I think there's a reason why you're saying the hair is fine. What? He's well. Let's put it this way. He, <laughs> he's got to let it grow out the sides. It looks weird. <laughs> just just poofing on top. He, he's got to poof it all the way. You got to make it even. Fair enough. Chicks did the curls. You got it. Come on, Jarvis. You'll be okay. You'll you'll find a new girlfriend. You'll get a new game next week. You'll be fine. Yeah, your following you're isn't going to go away. No, you're fine. You're fine. Even, even though those those pieces of trash that, you know, encourage the CSGO loot box gambling, they're still around from a couple of years. Remember those fucking yeah. two pieces of trash? They're still around. There's they're one cr- thing the yeah. internet has taught me is that no one has ever canceled forever. No, or or, or, or held any sort of standard of, of, of morals no. at all. It doesn't matter. You know, the CU podcast is proud to be working with NordVPN. It's what I use to keep myself safe online, and you can too. If you care about the privacy and security of your information, NordVPN is giving you 70% off a three-year plan, Ian. 70%. Only $349 a month when you go to NordVPN.com slash CU Podcast or use code CU Podcast at checkout. Plus, you get an extra month of NordVPN for free. VPN stands for Virtual Private Network, and today, having a VPN is more critical than ever. Why? If you're doing anything online, your information and browsing habits are out there for anyone to get a hold of. When you use NordVPN, you have access to over 4,000 super speedy servers in 62 countries, and those connections secure your information using military-grade encryption. That means your information and what you do online is nearly impossible to track. There's features like an automatic kill switch. It shuts off your internet if disconnected from VPN. It even works... Uh, in China, it bypasses the Great China Firewall. 
and, and it works for Middle Eastern countries as well, like the United Arab Emirates and Saudi Arabia. Uh, you can use it on your phone or laptop. Uh, there's an app for all your Android devices, for your tablets, for your, for your uh, iPhone, what have you. And one account protects you, protects up to six devices. And the folks at PC Mag made NordVPN their editor's top, top VPN choice. There could be other potential benefits like hopping on servers around the world. Maybe look at different streaming service offerings. Maybe check out different flight costs. With, if you pretend you're you know, doing it from Sweden instead of the U.S., things like that. Again, get 70% off a three-year plan uh, with the code CU Podcast. Go to NordVPN.com slash CU Podcast. It's only three forty nine a month, and you get an extra month free. Get going with your secure web browsing today. All right, uh, Ian, uh, we're going to talk about uh, China a bit. We're, we're, you know, we're talking, China's coming up a lot this show the past month or so, six weeks there. So Ch- China is instituting a set time limit per day for for um, for for children, uh, minors, you should say. Uh, for 90 minutes a day until 10 p.m. that you could uh, play play your your video games here. Um, so um, I think this is Google Stadia is perfect for the. I was going to say teenagers. yeah, Google Stadia will never hit your bandwidth. <laughs> Very fine. good. You'll never be fine, so they should go to China. With the choice it. of Chinese pro gamers. Um, I, I think it's interesting. Obviously, this is an authoritarian move because that's what it is there uh, here. And I can't read the articles. I have to log into the Times here. So you don't have. Well, yeah, you can do it for free. So basically, they they just talk about how um, the uh, new rules aimed at curbing video game addiction, and also uh, because uh, government now believes that it's blamed for a rise in nearsightedness and poor academic performance. So uh, stories that we've heard a billion, a well, billion times before. Nearsightedness. I, hey, that's, that's the reason I I got glasses because NES. I'm not going to lie about that. <laughs> so. Um, game uh, children younger than 18 are banned from playing games between 10 p.m. and 8 a.m. They are not allowed to play more than 90 minutes on weekdays in no, three hours on weekends and holidays. Um, they do so. They, they need to sign in with uh, their real name and I believe there's uh, like a, a number assigned to them and that monitors it. Um, they're also limited in how much they can purchase a month. $57. Yeah. Uh, kept at 28 to $57 a month, depending on the age. Uh, the regulations are meant to combat addiction. Combat? Which, which I, we just covered how the most recent classification of gaming as an addiction was actually... Was it rescinded? Or, or is there just another story out now? That oh, they, no. The, the, the study was, was that... You know, gaming addiction in and of itself wasn't really a, a supported, right, which in, is in what we've been saying all yeah. along. It, it, it's based on other things. It's based on other factors. Sure. So, I feel like I mean, obviously, there's other things that they could be working on here, as opposed to limiting gameplay. It's not going to change anything. Well, it's uh, going to change something. It's going to limit the amount of time you can play the games. No, everyone says that it's not because it's going to be easy to work around. Pa- uh, children will be able to use parents' numbers and things like that to log in. Uh, oh. And there are plenty of games that don't require any sort of login or tracking. So it's not going to do fuck all. Just like any sort of stupid rules like this anywhere, never do anything. I mean, they, they, they I, I, children are going to find a way around playing these games. I don't I, think it's going to affect much. Well, I think it's interesting that they're doing the parents' job or trying to do the parents' job. Right. I thought, I thought, you know, I thought the, so it's not going to be, let's see, 
I'm trying to see what software they would actually use to to do this because like, it's it's obviously going to be like an IP, right? Or you know, um, uh, so okay. So to me, the, the 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 big thing to me is is the time limit between 10 p.m. and 8 a.m. Um, if you if you're a parent and you have a 10 year old, they should be asleep by then, not not just playing games still. That to me is a weird thing that they. They have enough data that this is happening. I guess they they must have done some research. The government, you would think, before instituting this stuff. I don't think there's um, anything weird about it at all. I mean, uh, look at kids now. Just you have a ten year old, but people have computers in in every room of the house now, or a, a tablet at least, or yeah, a f- iPhone. Uh, I sure. mean, I don't think that's any different than here. You know, I mean, plenty of kids are. I think a lot of kids are probably doing a lot of their playing at night after parents go to bed, after they've done, you know, their schoolwork, they've done dinner, they've, they're done with their obligations for the day. That's probably when they're going to try to squeeze it in the most. Um, they did, I guess they did a, a, a press release from the, uh, the news agency. Uh, in recent years, China's online game industry has developed rapidly while satisfying the needs of the people for leisure entertainment, enriching the, the people's spiritual and cultural life. Some miners are addicted to games and excessive consumption which are worthy of high attention. These problems affect the physical, mental health, and normal learning in life of minors. In order to respond positively to social concerns and solve outstanding problems in the development of the industry, we conducted relevant research, listened to opinions, and formulated specific measures to form this notice. Uh, Xi Jinping's new era of socialism with Chinese characteristics, the notice fully reflects the principle of giving priority to social benefits and priority for the protection of minors, adhering to the problem-oriented, focusing on the key and difficult problems of the current anti-addiction, precise policy target therapy, it goes on and on and on and on and on. Okay. Um, well, I wouldn't want my government doing this. You leave this to the no. to parents to do this, obviously. If the parents care about the well-being of their kids, they shouldn't let their fucking 12-year-old kids spend money on games and play, you know, fucking eight hours a day. If they see the grades drop, you take the games away from them. It shouldn't be the government stepping in to do that. The same way it shouldn't be the government stepping in to tell you you can't have a certain size soft drink. You know, that's up to the person to decide, you know, whether or not they want to put that crap in their body and kill themselves slowly. You know, it's it's the same thing to me. I don't I don't like governments doing these sort of things. It's not it's not proper to do that. I'll be interested in so, seeing how long this lasts. I mean, if it sticks, if it actually works, and that, that like just because they, I feel like there's probably going to be too many loopholes and workarounds for this to be truly effective. However, like NordVPN. Um, Daniel Ahmad, a senior analyst at Nico Part at Nico Partners, um, he's always got interesting things to say on Twitter. Uh, there are always going to be loopholes, but he did say that it is one of the most heavily regulated video game markets in the world, and that technology companies in the country and abroad would be forced to follow the government's policy announcements more closely. Sure, I think compared to the West, it's very extreme. Publishers and developers need to be very aware of the content of the games they are developing for the market, which I think goes back to something we were saying the other day um, about Blizzard and about how at some point China. If they want to participate in these these global things, whether it be basketball or video games, at some point they're going to start hurting their ability to have their cake and eat it too with all these regulations. If this goes if this happens and it actively hurts profits for companies that are, you know, making specific content for China, especially if it's an overseas company, they're going to be less inclined to do so. And then they have to decide what's what do they want more. Sure, they're 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 doing a lot of trying to have it their way, but also have everything else. 
Let's see. So let's see. This is a quote from someone in China, Miss Min. If you don't do real name verification for your new accounts, the system has no way to know how old you are, so there won't be any limits, Miss Min said. I have two accounts, and most of my friends also do this to bypass the restrictions. So there you go. So you just pretend you're 18 when you're only 15, and that's your way around. Yeah, you it. make yeah, you make a new account, and you just put your right you put a fake birth date in there. I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, Tencent already allowed already allowed parents. This is for about a particular game. Uh, what, what game is this we're talking about? Uh, Honor, Honor of Kings. So there's always like that so, Clash of Swords. It's always that. Yeah. God, I hate the mobile names of games. Um, Tencent already allowed parents to monitor their children's use of the game, but it imposed the tougher restrictions last month. One day after People's Daily, the Communist Party's main newspaper, called Honor of Kings poison to the teenager. This is a different article. I think okay. it's, it's, that's kind of related to this. This is from August of a couple years ago, actually. So this is just going back in terms of, of it trying to get the get the people to stop playing games. I think it's interesting. Hey, I guess the the optometry industry would would, would hate this law because they want people to buy glasses and contacts and kids. I got as I got my NES in second grade, I had to get glasses within um, I think it was like eight months, <laughs> eight to ten months, something like definitely a, a year. No, within I think a year and a half, I got I got uh, glasses. So I got my NES in the middle of second grade. Uh, I got glasses by like third grade, somewhere in third grade. I think I got it, third or fourth grade. It's like a year and a half, maybe. So anyway, I think it's interesting, uh, but you know, I definitely see a problem. I guess I don't know. I don't remember. I don't remember playing games past ten p.m. I I couldn't. I wasn't allowed to stay up past nine thirty until I was like thirteen, twelve, twelve or thirteen. I think. Okay. That's why I wanted to stay up and watch Night Court at 9 p.m. because I was so scared after watching Unsolved Mysteries at 8. My parents wouldn't let me when I was like 10 years old. I was scared. You did a little of that Night Court to little you little down. little Harry uh, behind the bench. Uh, you know, rest in peace, little Harry. Bull. What's that? Little bull. Little bull. Yeah. Anyway, all right, Ian. Uh, interesting article came out uh, related by a friend of the show, Karen, who was also an author for for both the NES and Super Nintendo guidebooks. That video game preser- uh, preservation was on the cover of, of this month's American Library Association magazine. Yeah. Very interesting article. And it uh, goes on to talk about, you know, how, um, you know, we, we, we hear about places like the Strong Museum um, doing video game preservation, and we hear about, um, you know, uh, National Video Game, or Video, video game, game History, history Foundation. Yeah, Video Game History Foundation um, doing preservation. But libraries are starting to do... Uh, you know, their part as well. And the article goes on to talk about how a lot of universities are doing it. Um, the University of Michigan has more than 8,000 video games and 60 consoles uh, dating back to, uh, you know, the 1970s. Um, University of California, Santa Cruz's Science and Engineering Library has over 2,000 commercial games, 300 student games, 40 consoles, some as old as the 1985 Nintendo Entertainment Whoa. System. Whoa! That's, a, that's an ancient system. Look, I laugh at it, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's getting true, to it's the point where yeah. we have to phrase it that way. I'm, you know, I'm not getting any younger. Um, but old toaster. Toaster oven. And how you know, uh, they focus on um, you know, the authenticity of the experience for people who are researching it. So as the article says, you know, the objective is playability. Um, and for instance, the University of California at Santa Cruz, the goal is to provide students with not only the game, but also the console it was made for, a compatible controller, and an era-appropriate TV to play it on. Ah. And I do feel that, you know, something like an era-appropriate TV to play a game on is is a fairly important thing. Um, 
when when doing research on a game, especially if you want to talk about the visual appeal or the aesthetic, uh, you can you know do all sorts of upscaling. You can apply all sorts of filters. But if you want to talk about it in an authentic way, the device that you played it on is often, I think, just as important as you know playing the game on the original hardware. You, I mean, video games are you know fifty percent what you see. It's not just what you're doing. So the visual fidelity of it, I think, is is very important. Sure. Um, there's a reason why I didn't look at it this year, but every year Portland Retro Gaming Expo does their, you know, late 70s, early 80s little living room setup with the shag carpet. They got yeah. an old console TV that was probably made sometime in the 70s, you know, and they hook up the Atari and they put the couch there. And this is how you were if you were like in 1980. Yeah, they usually one. have a couple of them. This year, I think it was three or four of them, like in a and, like in a cross pattern. And the people are usually there. Oh, and yeah. they're usually children. Mm-hmm. Children that... Think that the Atari was like the Model T, you know, to us thinking about cars that they're trying it out. They're like, oh, this is interesting because they're looking at their phone and they're like, this is how grandpa and my great grandfather played. Jesus Christ. This is how grandpa, at this point, it is grandpa, played Atari, you know, when he was 10 years old or, or 15 years old. And there's something to be said for that. There's a reason why when people say, oh, you, you need a CRT to play the NES, it, it, it's, that's true. It, it does feel different. There's something that hits you differently. It's not just nostalgia. I'll disagree with, with some people. It's like, oh, it's all just nostalgia. No, no, no. There's, there's a feeling. It, it, you interact with it differently. You're seeing something different. You sure. just are. The fuzziness—it's just—it's just a different experience. When I mean, when they, when they designed games back then, they weren't developing them for crystal clear LED TVs. They were designing the games how they looked on what the you know the monitors they had, the TVs they had. I mean, that's just how and and, and obviously how they sounded. You know, playing playing you know a cr- crappy version of Pac-Man back then. I remember I still watch those old when I watch those, those old uh, you can't do that on televisions. There was one episode dedicated to video games, and. Um, I remember them playing like Pac-Man. You hear the sounds in the background on TV. I'm like, wow, that, that's how you experienced video games back then. That's how teenagers played video games. So that if you want to put yourself in your shoes there, that's what you do. And that's what museums are. To, uh, we talked about this before about what video game museums should be. Should they be entire libraries of games? Probably not. It's nice to have them available. But no, they should, they should be set up with displays and information and you feeling like what the experience was for that moment in time for video games. <laughs> That's what a museum should provide you. It's a snapshot in time. Right. When you go to most museums, it's not like, here's every freaking artifact we found. No. Here's a snapshot of how people lived, you know, in their old huts. This is this is how the, this is how they churn butter. Like that's what a museum is. It gives you a feel for the experience at the time uh, there. So someone's doing something with their jet ski out there. Um so it, it talks about some of the potential or some of the problems they've encountered though. Um, you know, copyright issues, etc. This, from the article to me, is particularly interesting. Uh, Potential copyright problems exist in every layer of video video game collecting, especially regarding older materials with expired copyrights. In October 2018, a decision from the Library of Congress and U.S. Copyright Office allowed institutions to lawfully own copies of older video games if they were acquired from the original companies in order to make preservation copies. A separate challenge for librarians and archivists as many companies are no longer in business or have discontinued service support. How the hell is that supposed to be viable? And that's that's insanely limiting. I mean, some of these fly-by-night companies, I mean, you know, were gone a year after they released the game. You know, how are you supposed to acquire this, uh, you know, legally under under that rule, that law? Well, to me, the bigger issue is, like, how are you going to set up your, you know, servers 
to play games that no longer you can play because the servers are down. Sure. I know that they're trying to get those. Remember, we spoke about a couple of years ago. They're trying to get those exceptions passed, and they're having difficulty with that. Right. To have ser- servers exist for like 20 year old PC games that the servers aren't around anymore, so you can't play them. You know, things like that. You know, being able to play. You know, be able to play a multiplayer Wii game, uh, Mario Kart Wii, where they shut the servers down, you know, within 10 years right. of the game being out. You know, how do we get around those issues for the future? You know, that, that's, that's to me a problem with this. But the good news is that obviously the more libraries do this, the more access people have to it, the more they learn about it. Because as, as, as nice as it is to have like the, the strong, most people will never get up there to visit them. They just won't. Well, sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, one. And you shouldn't have one institution handling sure. everything. That's a very dangerous and bad idea. Um, I mean, the Strong's fantastic, but, I mean, just for all sorts of reasons, you want as many places doing this, working together, hopefully, but you want as many places doing this as possible. Yeah, universities, like I said, like so, certain uh, libraries that can handle it. Uh, there's got to be a big library, probably. I, I, there's some public, public libraries that are huge. The one I used to go to in New Jersey, our main one was gigantic. It was like three, four floors and sprawling. So I picture them being something that they can probably get into something like this eventually. And it's good then if you have, uh, you know, um, sort of depositories throughout, throughout the U S for people that bring in their old stuff. If they know if the libraries advertise it, instead of people throwing it out or even putting on eBay and realize no one wants it, they can bring their old games to it, maybe to a, a library. Right. And give it away. This is the same way you do with books. That's actually not a terrible idea. And then it, it, more and more people learn about it, and it keeps it alive. I'm not talking about our generation. I'm talking about the kids that are now four and five years old. Twenty years from now, that might want to know how, the, like I said, how Grandpa played, you know, Nintendo games. Like that's what we're thinking about here, because this stuff could die out easily. We take for granted, oh yeah, video games, digital. That just preserves the the the, the code. That doesn't preserve how you play the damn things. Right. That to me is just as important. It is long term. So. So there you have it. Yeah, that's something ROMs doesn't doesn't take care of, or you know, re-releasing, you know, putting stuff on uh, Internet Archive. It doesn't take care of that. You're not. Can you archive a CRT with me with with a couple of a uh, you know joysticks? No, I don't well, think you there's can do lots it. of ar- ar- you know archive archive archivists who say you know digital arch- archiving is not archiving. I mean, in as many instances as possible, you need the physical, the real materials, object, the real consoles, the real way to play it. And of course, with the Vectrex, that you know, you don't have a choice with the Vectrex. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta have that big yeah. bulky, bulky item down in front of you there. All right, uh, all right. Moving on here, uh, you, you want to skip the? You want to talk about Smash Brothers Ultimate earning the title of best-selling fighting game of all time? Not really. I think it's great, but I don't have a whole lot to say about it. Okay, uh, Ian, we have a, a Patreon poll topic. How do you, how do you access that good old uh, Patreon poll? Patreon.com slash CU podcast. What can you access on there? Uh, my writings, um, a pay now button. Uh, what? <laughs> there's a pay now button? Oh, there's a pay now no, button. There isn't. It's not quite that way. Um, you can. <laughs> I, I do. Uh, I do weekly writings. Do just like a blog entry, a little journal post. You can about turn, what's you been can going turn those on. into a book at some point. Um, we offer uh, the full. The full video podcast is up there. And uh, what else do we do? Oh yeah, I do a hangout every uh, every month. I'm doing mine this week Saturday uh, at 11 a.m. That's right. So uh, the poll topics this week. This is a, I know it's a good good selection when there there, there isn't one like in the in the eight percent. In third place at 24 percent are the Marvel movies heading in the right direction, moving on from the A heroes to lesser known heroes. Second place at 30 percent. Do the Smash third party characters encourage players trying their games? 
And in first place at 45%, out of nowhere, because it's been surviving, what pinball slash arcade games would be in your dream arcade? Ian, take it away. It's tough to it, it's tough to say like exactly. I have a lot of ideas, but if I had you want to limit it, if I had to limit myself to very to say one, let's say two pinball machines in two actual arcade machines. Uh, that's 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 not a dream arcade though, would it be? Well. Oh, I, no, I guess not. <laughs> when I initially had talked about the question like a year ago, it was it was a, it was in a more more limited scope. Um, but I would probably have most. I'm gonna throw it against the fucking wall. No, you're not. It's in my hand now. You can't get it. Um, <laughs> it would be mostly most of the ba- like I would want to curate it to a degree. I wouldn't just say yeah. fucking put everything in there. Um, I would want most of the Bally '80s pinball machines in there. Um, Give me a few examples. Uh, Centaur. My favorite, uh, Fathom, and I would love to have all the wide bodies. So, uh, Embryon, Hot Doggin, Space Invaders, Paragon, and Future Spa. So, all the electromechanical, early solid state stuff. It's early solid state wide bodies, and then their their early '80s stuff. None of it's electromechanical. Um, although in electronic Paragon isn't. No, the Paragon's solid no, state. It's so, right. Solid has state. electronics. Okay. Um, well, even the electromechanical ones technically have electronics. Well, well I mean, what's it? you have LED readouts and stuff. That's the difference. Okay. You have circuitry and shit. Um, That's a difference. As far as actual arcade machines go, that gets tougher because as time has gone on, I've, I've, I've cared less and less about actual arcade machines, like specific ones. Like being able to play the boards is fun and all that. I enjoy having a stand-up machine. You don't care about the, the actual artistry it's of the a, machine and the feel of well, a mappy machine? I'm getting there. It depends on the machine. Mappy's one of them because of its very weird, very large marquee. Um, centipede okay. is one because I, you need to play that with a trackball. Centipede. Um, and I like centipede. the art on it. Uh, I really like the weird Turbo, um, Sega's Turbo. The first uh, one? Uh, just... Turbo. There's only one. Um, was there Super Turbo? I don't know if there was. Well, the first one then. But the one that's weird. It's ugly. It's just like a fucking. It's thin and. It, it's a hot, thin. Yeah. yeah. And there's a no, there's a normal looking cabinet for it too. That's a bit more built out. But I like the really weird thin tall one. That I don't just remember looks the like a post. I know I've seen. I don't know the last time I saw one of those was. Uh, I didn't look around the. I didn't look around that much at the Portland arcade this year to see. Wasn't at. Portland, but one of the convention, maybe Long Island. It was. It, there, I I played one this year, and that's the one that, as Lance said in the video game years, it has like uh, analog functions built in with the sounds and the revving, and there's there's a yeah a tachometer sort of thing mm-hmm. going on. That's cool because it's not just a there's circuitry involved outside of the but outside of the game. I love that game. I mean, I'm bad it's at it, but I, I it's fun driving a straight line, don't crash, and I just, just go I, like this. I like the look of it. Yeah. Um. Arkanoid would be one. So you like the things that are like unique. You like the cabinets that have like unique. Yes. You don't want just any old jammer cabinet. You want like unique control schemes. You want something like a Paperboy, where it's like it's unique. Right. I, I, I want something that makes me feel like there's something special about playing the arcade machine. Sure. Like I said, you I like, have to play the arcade machine to get the the full experience. I, I, like you, Star Wars arcade. You can you can satisfy the rest of my you know game playing with a couple of jamma cabs that all have two six button layouts you know because sure. just about anything can get be thrown in do, there yeah, give me a menu an, of 100 games yeah. give me an mvs I, yeah, i'd like to play the actual boards but i don't 
I don't need separate unique cabinets for each one of those. You don't games. need a separate like commando cabinet. Right. You could give me a black cabinet with two six button layouts and I can just Let throw whatever in and it, it's fine. Um but yeah, like it's the games that have unique controls or something like that that I, I, I find the most interesting. Oh, and a jam cabinet. An actual jam cabinet. NBA an, jam. An actual NBA jam Original cabinet. Original shack in it, damn it. <laughs> and a uh an actual um and Petrovich. I actually really like the the look of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade machine. The original cabinet. one. Yep, I would take that. All right, so the, those are still, you want to say, unique in some way because... They're four in players, yeah, the, in a way. But even those, I'm, I realize I'm dipping into, you could do this in a generic cabinet, but I like the overall The four-player jam cabinet, that's iconic. Uh, yeah, the uh, Ninja Turtle one. It's a, that was really the, the four-player Ninja Turtle one. Was that the first time that was like a... I mean, you had Gauntlet before that, but if I'm talking about for like a beat-em-up, was that the first one that was like that? four players i think so yeah because i mean there was there were games that had four players you had gauntlet yeah you had quartet um but warlords if you want to count that yeah i mean i will why not it's four players was, well, okay um but yeah i think for a beat-em-up at least that's probably the first one that was four players yeah combat tribe was three players that was probably around that time a little bit afterwards i don't know the name i don't know the year off the top of my head that was there was there was, there was a weird era where the, the three player ones like Pit Fighter for like a couple of years. You had yeah. a few of those three player. Wasn't Pit uh, Fighter after? Pit Fighter was uh, ninety, I believe. Pit Fighter. I mean, Pit Fighter's dog shit. Not the arcade one. Yeah, it is. It's, I'll, it's I'll, a garbage. I'll fight it's you. a very boring. I'll, I'll game. fight you. It's garbage. I'll fight you. Uh, Pit Fighter was ninety. Okay, so that was ninety, and that, that was Ninja Turtles was ninety as well, wasn't it? Arcade eighty nine. Okay, it was 89. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, so um, past turn. I'm sort of along the same lines as Ian. I think I have more love for the aesthetics of certain machines. Like, for example, um, I would definitely have Popeye. But Popeye is one of my all-time favorites. It's a beautiful artwork, that bl- light blue, sky blue design. Uh, it's a really design. nice cabinet. Uh, Nintendo's, uh, on those early cabinets, the, the their... Their um, control panels and the, the glass overlays were beautiful. The mm-hmm. art on them, they, there was a lot of care went into those, into the early ones, like obviously the, the, the three Donkey Kong games and Mario Brothers Arcade and Popeye, I'm talking those uh, ones, are beautiful machines, and they are a little bit wider than your regular machines. Uh, uh, you know, even though they're only one player, like Popeye was, you know, one, one control set, I should say, but they were wider. You felt more comfortable. Sure. A little extra elbow room. It's like being in first class almost when you're playing your game <laughs> on a plane. Bucket seats. Um, I, I'm sort of the same thing about the control scheme. So I, I'm thinking about potentially maybe in the future going in on a barcade with a couple of people. And one of the discussions we have is that we have to make sure they're unique experiences because why else would you have an arcade if you can have that experience at home? So, yeah, it's going to be stuff like... That's always been my argument yeah. when it comes to barcades. Whenever I talk to anyone who wants to talk about a barcade, it's like, stop just putting the same five yes. games that everyone's played in. No one's going to go, oh, cool, I can fucking play Pac-Man again. Like, well, have it in the corner, but I'm just yes, saying, you, you, you relying not, yes. relying on that stuff. You're not pulling anyone's nostalgic heartstrings anymore. Sure. You, you, this you, isn't new or unique. Yeah, you, you need, yeah, you need like a Pac-Man... A Miss Pac-Man Galaga combo in the corner there because someone will always play that. But yeah, you want stuff like Tron, or you want stuff like Star Wars Arcade. You want stuff where it, you feel unique tied to that machine. You can't just go home and, fu- and fire up the ROM and play it. Right, Like exactly. you were saying with Arkanoid. Yeah, you can go home and play Arkanoid, but damn, that's a nice heavy spinner on there. Right. You know, damn, damn, it's nice playing Centipede or Missile Command 
with, with the roller bar. Now they have that the, the, the combo I told you about. They have that the newer missile command slash uh, centipede slash millipede one you can get mm-hmm. and play them all on there. It's like beautiful idea to do that. Uh, yeah, that's what you need. You need uh, four player games. It's something I was talking about. Like four. I think we're gonna if, if this happens. Uh, we're going to have probably five to ten four-player games because those always people like to crowd around. You want to play Ninja Turtles with four people. You want to play X-Men. Well, we have the six-player one potentially lined up. You want to you play NBA Jam four players. There's something different about those experiences. Like, yeah, you can play NBA Jam uh, at home again, but you want it's, it's a party thing. You want people to feel communal when you do that, and that's something you only get with games like that. Or, or light gun games, like t- playing Time Crisis uh, 2 with someone next to you. That's fun to do that. You know, playing Operation Thunderbolt or playing a, a light gun game. That's a big thing. It's a big ab- appeal to me like that. So that's something I would have in my arcade. You've got to have a few light gun games. You've got to have uh, Operation Thunderbolt or something like that. You know, you have to have uh, Terminator 2 is one of the best ones of all time. Terminator 2 arcade game. Uh, things like that. In terms of pinball machines, uh, we, we've talked about before. People know I love Medieval Madness. One of my favorite uh, pinball machines. Uh, for me, I, I don't have a lot of specific love for a lot of individual machines. I play, I pl- I try my play for fifteen minutes. If I, if I like them, I like them. The original uh, Star Wars one from the early nineties. I love that one. Uh, I love the original Indiana Jones ones because I love the themes of them uh, more than anything else. The original else. Indiana Jones machine is fantastic. The original yeah. Star Wars machine has a fun layout, but the rules are just broken. The rules are be- broken. Beat the shit. Well, I, I, I have nostalgic for it because that's the one I sure. play point pleasant. You just nailed the center fucking ramp over and over again. That's all you need to do. Of course, pe- people know that my, my, my guilty pleasure pinball machine is is Baywatch. I just love that machine for some Baywatch reason. Baywatch is like nothing but ramps. It's kind of fun. I, I, but it's, it's just so dumb and goofy. The whole theme is like, oh, there's a shark attack. You know, let, let's save people people uh, and then um the, the, even though it's difficult as all hell uh the machines i love the street fighter 2 pinball machine and God, i love i can't uh, do that machine it's, it's tough so it's dog shit uh, and and i and i love the uh the wf royal rumble uh uh pinball machine it's a fun one i just think it's goofy i haven't uh, played that one in a while i, I love the, 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 the machines from like 93 like the, the some of the first dmd machines like that I just I just love ones, and I used to like playing. I don't ever see. It. I really love the Dirty Harry pinball machine. It's a great machine. I remember being really fun when I used to play it at Seaside. You and should I, see it around. I, well, it, um, it, I, I I haven't seen one in California, in San Diego in a while, but there was one or two that were around for quite some time. I just remember being really fun. It's a good machine. When I was like 13, 14, but I'm like, this is just a fun machine with a big freaking magnum shooting it uh, there. So yeah, that's that's my personal arcade machine. I think I have a personal arcade. That's the one thing I've always told people. I might have told you that if I was filthy rich, that was the one thing I would indulge in and I would have my own personal arcade. I oh, would do it. No, I would too. That I, would be the one that I'd have like, you know, 60, uh, 50, 60, uh, you know, arcade machines, 10 to 20 pinball machines. And I, I, you know, invite people over and play and just fucking, and we'll do it up like it's an 80s arcade. Like we'll, um, we'll, we'll do it up. And that's what I would spend, you know, I spend like a half a, half a million dollars on. That's the one weird thing I'd do if I was rich. I, I do have to add two more that I forgot. One, Computer Othello. I think it was Nintendo's first arcade game. But I love Othello and the, uh, it's a, it's a cocktail table. Okay. It's Did wider. It, it came out in the U.S.? No. Okay. No. Um, it has all the buttons, but it's got a, yeah, it's just really, really aesthetically pleasing. Like it's got I'm, a bunch I'm of it's got it a colored button panel in front, and then it's like bright white the tabletop with a monochrome screen in the center. Is it on eBay right now? Can I look at it? Nintendo no, just Othello. type in commu- just type in computer Othello in Google. It'll pop up. Computer Othello, you'll see it. It'll it'll pull up pictures. Oh, did I, did I did I did I forget? And um, uh, Pac Man uh, Battle Royale. I would have a Pac-Man Battle Royale, the one with the bar stools. Oh yeah, 
That's something you put in a, yeah, in a the bar big cake. screen bar stool one. Oh, you want the big screen? You want the gigantic? Look, one. we're talking You're fucking talking fantasy. Okay. So yes, okay. Because we were in Portland, I played the the regular one with uh, with people. Now that, that's always fun. Just that but you want that. You want the giant screen one. That's, sure, all why fun. not? Any of them are fine. But if we're just talking dreams, I might as well go big. Okay, sure. Then I also want to have my little. I, I love the little you know two player just hoop throwing. Yeah, those, are, those good. are always fun. Yes, right. Um, Computer Othello. Okay, it's a standard uh, Nintendo tabletop. Uh, but you said yeah, it's white in the top, and I see the color buttons. Oh, it's cute. Yeah, I just really, I, I really like the look of it. I don't oh, know. I've always been taken by the look of it. I think it's really smart. Looking. Oh, and how can I forget my all-time favorite arcade game? Boy, I, I wish I, I, I'm trying to break someone's record. If someone could make me a Rolling Thunder arcade machine, that would be great. And that's a dedicated machine, uh, Rolling Thunder too. And the dedicated ones are always uh, cool. We talk about all the Atari dedicated ones from the '80s. That were great, like Paperboy and Rampart and things like that, uh, like Vindicators and Road Blasters. Man, I, I almost feel like you should have an. I would have an Atari '80s Ooh. arcade wing. Stun almost. Runner would be another fun one to have. I think uh, I've seen that once generic, or twice in my life. The sit down Stun Runner. I think I've seen that once. That was that was definitely at Seaside. They definitely Seaside. That was in my fucking community college cafeteria for whatever reason. That's an expensive machine, probably back then. So no, the late two. I mean, that machine would have. Was, I mean, that machine came out in what? Late 80s, early 90s? Late 80s, probably. I mean, I was in community college in 2001. Oh, okay. So, no. So, I was sitting there I, forever. Just sitting there forever, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, Casino Pier, for people in, in Jersey, uh, Casino Pier would always have, uh, that was sort of like the entry point to a lot of people. They always had the expensive big machines. They had, like we just saw, I should have played it. Uh, in Portland, they had it, um, the freaking... Um, uh, the Sega Hologram Time Time Machine f- freaking game, you know they always had the gigantic. Oh, it was Hollow Fighter and Time Traveler. Time Traveler. Coliseum and Time Traveler. I so, think they had Time Traveler. Yeah, they had Time Traveler. So my uh, Seaside Heights uh, uh, local local uh, arcade always had the big machines. They had what was the what was the sit down space machine that actually moved around? Oh, which one was that? There's a few of them. Uh, start naming them. Galaxy Force. That was Sega. Starblade. Uh, the, the Zybots wasn't a sit-down one, was it? No, no. That's something... Oh, Zybots is totally different. Anyway, so they always had those. Like, they always had them featured. So every year there was a new one like that. That's cool. Okay. Yeah, that time travel one's fun. It's goofy as hell. It's Dragon's Lair. It's it's one of those you have to input at the... No, it is. It's, 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 it's a little bit more control than, than that. Okay. There is because there are screens where you can do more than one thing. Oh, sure. It's a little bit more advanced in terms of that dragon's Lair, you have to do more than one thing on certain screens too. no 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 but you have the choice like, oh sure you sure. can get, get through i'm just so, saying it, it's it's a pick your own adventure you know you have yeah to you have, have to turn and shoot game. yes but it, you feel like yeah you, you, you obviously you're more you feel like you're more in control uh, on that one versus on, on dragon's Lair. all right well thanks we finally got that question out of the way there and uh yeah um pat when pat gets to making uh, millions a year i'm gonna have my personal arcade and you're all invited out you know just maybe a cover charge for for drinks and uh, for the electricity, and you're all no, you're you're fine. You're all invited to my personal arcade when it opens up in 2024. Whatever the hell is going to happen. All right, uh, Q and A on the CU podcast. Uh, you want to ask me the first one there? Sure. Ian asks <laughs> from Brendan M. Velasquez. What advice does Pat have for people who want to write and publish their own book? So I, I try to clarify, did you mean like fiction or nonfiction on Twitter? And he said, no, like a, like a video game guidebook. I'm assuming probably he means what you've already written and published. Okay. But, but I had to make sure because I'd be like, oh, fiction, nonfiction is different. So um, I, I don't know, Brandon, if you want to do your own book, 
I, I would say this. My, my, my advice I'd give you is to make sure you really think it through before you start. Because with the NES book in particular, uh, it went back and forth between me and Ian when we were designing it originally, and it ended up in a different place when we started. And I'm, I'm glad, glad that process happened because it's a better book for it. But at the start, I wasn't sure what, like how in-depth the reviews were going to be, whether there was going to be simple descriptions or not, things like that. And it turned into something, I, I guess, more ambitious than when it started. And so you really got to have a good design, I guess, a good design document laid out in terms of what you want to cover. Like how in-depth do you want to get? Do you want to you know, actually review the games? Do you want to do um, just a description of them? How historic do you want to get? You know, are you going to cover foreign games? Are you going to cover weird stuff? Really have a well, well thought out design of what you want it to be. Otherwise, it can spiral out of control, or you know, or you will never get off the ground. I, I mean, I spoke to someone who had an idea uh, for a Nintendo book that was so ambitious at the time, and this is what after mine came out, where he they wanted to do like, you know, like I'm talking like um, maps of the. Uh, the stages of every single game. They want to do like that in depth. We're talking, it'd probably be like t- eight to ten pages per game. Like, Encyclopedia Britannica volume. Yes, like over the top, like there's no need to play the game. We just walked it through it every game. I'm like, dude, you can do that, but your book will be 1,500 pages long at least, and it'll take you forever. You'll never complete it. Like you'll just never complete it. So you have to be able to complete complete it, obviously. You can't write about ten you know pages per game or five pages. You'll never do it. It's just too much. Um, you you want to get an editor up front, which is what I did for the Super Nintendo book because uh, it was too much work for me to do the own editing. And plus, I'm not a perfect editor. I'm competent, but I'm not really that great. And you want to have someone that sort of helps guide you along the process. Um, you have to decide if you can do it yourself or if you want a team to help you. And I would recommend having more than one set of eyes on it. And then, obviously, if, if, if the amount of writing kills you, you want a team. Um but most importantly, if you get a team, you, you get what you pay for. And while there would be some competent writers that could do it for free, uh, it'd be probably better to pay writers that are, have done it professionally before or at least show that they are professional. So you should have people submit samples to, that shows that they are competent writers. Can anyone, anyone can say, I want to write a game review. It doesn't mean you know how to write or know how to review games. You got to know how to do both. So you have to know how to, I guess, wrangle a team together and have a unified vision that you communicate to your team um, and sort of keep them in line as you go through it, because writing's a long process, especially if it's a library of like seven hundred, eight hundred games, where it can easily go off the rails if you don't, you know, if you don't do an editing job and make sure the writers know what their mission is and keeps on that mission throughout their assignments. So, um, and I just threw a lot at you, and also make sure that you realize that um, while you think it might be fun doing a nonfiction book like this, it doesn't end up being it's work. It's still fun to play games, but it's still work. Writing is still work at the end of the day, and while you can't enjoy it, it's still work you have to get done and, and, sort, and keep on track. So, yeah, it's a lot of project management, too. You have to be a good project manager for a book like this. So, like, uh, I'm good at doing this, I guess, these sort of books, even though, you know, deep down, it's not like, you know, it's not like what I set out to do. I'd rather write fiction. I think I'm better at writing fiction, but, you know, I can, I can project manage, and that's why these books can happen. So that's, that's my, I guess, advice to you, you know? And pay your contributors. It's worth it. It's the ethical thing to do uh, in business, too, there. Uh, Ian, do you have any advice for writing and publishing your own guidebook there? No, nope, because I've never done it. Well, you've, you've contributed. <laughs> you've contributed um, a lot to I would I, I would suggest that you make sure at the outset you know what format and what style you want the writing to be in and stick to it. 
you little, little ornery about some of the rewriting stuff from the NES book? Anyway. It, you don't think it's a better book because they're a little... I, I, I'm not saying it is or it isn't. I'm just saying okay. it's something that should be known <laughs> at the outset. Well, things change even. Designs change, you know? <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll ask this one. Uh, this is from at Johnny, Johnny Falcon. I'm wondering 50. why we're doing this one since we've done this a billion times before. Now that I'm actually looking at this question, we've talked about this about 8,000 times. Did we? We've definitely... It's a question about the N64. We've talked about how we don't like the N64 and how we don't think it's worth it plenty okay. of times. Johnny Falcon, do Sorry. you want a rainy day this one or something? For we can just put it off to the side, maybe. Okay. I just feel like that's such a generic <laughs> thing that we've totally, totally covered N64 before. collecting? I'm sorry, Johnny Falcon. All right, you should have told me that before. Well, we I, I'm just looking at it now. Um, this one, if you want to do, though, I mean, there were actually people I talked to about All doing right. it who I'll said answer. yes, so I mean, I do have answers for this one. All right, this is from at the at Retro Ad, Advi Board, Retro Advisor Board. Are you guys still considering guest fill-ins for each other on upcoming episodes? See you podcast 2020 Roadshow. <laughs> Perspectives from both RE, uh, RE launching a separate podcast and reaching a different audience slash different interests. That's a broad question, Ian. Yeah, it is. <laughs> That's real broad. That's two separate questions. Um, so um, in terms of guest fill-ins, there was a point in time where Pat was maybe going to be gone for uh, you know a month. So I did reach out to people, and I don't think they'll mind me saying this, and maybe it'll happen at some point, but I did reach out to some people uh, for fill-in guest hosts on the CU podcast. Um, people I had lined up who said they would do it uh, would have been um, uh, Eric Pearson of Retail Archaeology. Uh, I like Eric. John Riggs. I like John. Um, Kinsey. Kinsey. And yes. uh, going forward, I probably would have also asked... Um, um, Rick V, who's my uh, co-guy on Yokoi Kids and is very, very good on podcasts. Okay. And um, I would have asked uh, Kelsey. Oh, those are all nice. So uh, nice those, those are the people I would have liked to have talked to. Um, like still I, can. I can still go away for a month. I still deserve it. Um, <laughs> I still so if, it. so th those are people who I have met in person. Um, uh, uh I've met all of those people in person. Uh, I've had great conversations with all of them. And I think, you know, they would all add something uh, to the podcast format we do. Just uh, Skype them in? Yeah, I don't just Skype them in. And then in terms of perspectives from both regarding launching a separate podcast, um, in terms of you know, Pat had the, uh, the not-so-common podcast. Um, I recently started a podcast called Extra Napkins. You can find that on Twitter at enapkins. Um, it's fun to just, I like talking. I like chatting with people. It's fun to do that and have it just be completely different from video games. It's nice sure. to take a break from video games and talk about something else that I'm passionate about. Um, and it, it, it's a lot of fun and, and having a different co-host also brings in a hugely different dynamic. It just, it, it, it changes things up a lot. So, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it does feel very, very different from say doing something like the CU podcast. Sure, you, you you have different interactions, different chemistry uh, w with people. Uh, I I really let's see, yeah. I mean, the Nostalcom podcast. People ask me every week, is it coming back? And unfortunately, I can't with doing a weekly CU podcast because that was the in between podcast. If I brought back a solo podcast, I'd almost say, but this day and age, you need, almost need a visual element. And then again, sometimes you don't, but a lot of people do visual ones. I almost would say I could I could do it easily and just do an audio version. And record it and get it out there and not have to worry about it. I could probably do that because, uh, you know, I don't know how many of those you listened that I did, Ian, but I, I 
you know, got into social issues. I got into politics a lot. And, you know, most people thought it was pretty cool. And, um, you know, then I had the guests on. Some guests were better than others. You know, uh, we'll, just, we'll just say one uh, one went horribly wrong eventually. But, um, you know, I, I had good friends on and some people that weren't friends. And I got into it with people. Sometimes it was uh, really, um, there was some tension with a couple of guests. But it was fun. I, li- I like doing it. I like interviewing people. I think it's fun. I think I'm good at it, uh, too. I enjoy it. Um, so we'll see if it comes back. I mean, it'll be, that'll be my, my project for later next year. We'll, we'll see uh, if I can bring that back or, or launch. I can always launch another podcast. What, 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 what type of podcast do you think I should do, Ian? What, what would I be good at? What should I, I, I launch there? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, if you did another one, I'd say you just go back to... Go back to that one? Yeah. And just talk about impeachment things every week? I can do <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would you would not be lacking for topics? Oh, that's true. It's like every every day, it's something different, <laughs> something new that comes out there. Um, let's see. Uh, and the roadshow idea, we thought about doing. I wanted to do it live for the hundredth episode. We, we were talking about doing it. The two hundredth one is coming up in four months, so we can try to record it live somewhere. We'd, we'd have like you know ten people show up, but we can do it. Yeah, I mean, I would expect half of what we pull at a convention, you know, and. It's, I mean, we less than half, Ian. Come on, what, yeah, you think less you... than half. <laughs> I, we're not going to pull. We're not going to pull. I'd enough. be happy with like thirty people at, at, at a seeing us live. Maybe yeah. What do we usually people? pull at a convention? About a hundred. Yeah, I'd be happy with thirty. I was thinking a little bit less than a hundred, but it's probably closer to a hundred. Oh, so uh, yeah. we had more than a hundred at Portland, did we? Oh yeah. Don't sell yourself short. Those are big, big rooms there. We had more than a hundred. True, Portland. Uh, there. Okay. Well, any other things? Nope. Okay. okay. Well, that's all we got there. <laughs> that's that. Um, and then you want to. Well, let's keep pushing that one off. <laughs> Push it off. We ended up we ended up filling enough time today. I, hour and a half. We, we got the you got the internal hour and a half clock in your head. Where you're well, like, I'm I'm getting really good at that with with extra napkins. We we try to put it down to an hour, and uh-huh. I've every single one we've done so far has been between 58 minutes and an hour and three without me constantly looking. I just I, an hour I and three it. minutes. Yeah, anywhere between 58 minutes and minutes. an hour and three minutes. I don't know how, how we used to do these. Where we're like they're two hours forty five minutes. I don't know. I just had too much manic energy then. Like I, I, that's what it was. I was on like f- freaking like internal Adderall. I just kept going. I had all, I don't have the energy anymore. I'm 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 an old man now. Yeah. I mean I just am. I mean seriously, we used to do, and that was that was the peak for everything for views and everything was like, because we had like twenty topics per podcast easily. So there was like two videos a day on YouTube for almost every day of the month. It was nuts. It was just vol- it was just volume, and that helped us with the algorithm uh, back then. Now, now it would kill you with the algorithm. Uh, there. All right, that's it for this CU podcast. Most important finding. This is the one thing I was looking for since I moved here. This, my grandfather, I think, gave this to me. I think, or I stole it from my dad. Whatever. I'll just say my grandfather gave me this more romantic story. It's a right angle needle nose pliers, which you can't buy. This. It's like like freaking like two pieces of like iron forged in like the fifties. And I was searching for that since I moved in here and it was in like my little white um, drawer, like plastic drawer thing with a bunch of other garbage. And I was like, wow, that's a cool piece. Of, isn't that cool? You don't see those. Solid. Guys. Yeah. You can easily crack someone's skull with this. Not that I've thought of that before. Um, so that was the one thing I missed when I moved here. And then also I, my digital scale went missing. I my little digital stamps.com postage scale. I miss stamps.com as a sponsor. Damn it. Stamps.com. I love you guys. Come back. Come back. That's it. Fruit bars. Come back to, come back to Patty. Anyway. Um, yeah, that's it for this podcast. 
no no conventions to worry about i am done i had one in november that asked about me i'm like i think i'm done uh for the year we'll, we'll see you in march that's okay <laughs> we'll see you then um go to ultimate march or february it's now march oh, okay they, they moved it to uh later in march great which is a great move i think um uh, go to ultimatesnes.com if you want to order a certain Super Tunnel guidebook and maybe wait for it to come on Amazon. Maybe give it a star rating and a little comment if you enjoy it there. Uh, Ian's got the Extra Napkins podcast you can check out. Um, I have an upcoming NES Punk episode that I'm editing. Go watch the old one since it doesn't get any views anymore because there's no room on YouTube anymore for actually like well-produced content. It's all about you know just railing about how much you hate the Last Jedi. That's what YouTube's become the past couple of years, unfortunately. Uh, Anger, my angry base. Bah! Anyway, uh, so uh, yeah, that's what's going on. We've got a couple of weeks, two and a half weeks till Thanksgiving. What are you doing for Thanksgiving? Are you going back home? Or are you staying? Staying. You gonna stay? Yeah. You gonna cook? Oh, I'm gonna cook. I'm definitely going to cook. I don't know what I'm going to cook, but I'm going to cook. I'll, I'll make the mac and cheese. Pork loin, maybe. Brisket. You oh, you don't do you don't do the turkey? I don't. I got to do turkey. It's the only time of year I eat turkey. You got to do turkey. I, I don't like turkey enough to do a whole turkey. I mean, I, you'll, you'll buy the parts, at least? There's good turkey, but yeah, I just don't care. I spoke about it. I think I spoke about the Not So Common podcast last year. about I went to, with my to, over my exes, and since she comes, her family's from, uh, her mom's side is uh, comes from a Cajun background... Oh my god, the, the 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 gravy was my mouth is starting to water. The gravy was literally just gumbo. Like, oh, here's your turkey, and we'll just put gumbo on top with like pieces of pork and <laughs> shrimp, and it's just like the the best thing I've ever had in my life. Yeah, that you sounds know? good. And greens, I don't eat enough greens in my life. You, you got to eat more collard greens. It's the best thing ever. I've been eating a lot of kale, a lot of collard, a lot of hearty greens. Cow, like, kale, kale. Okay, kale. This is cow. Not kale. Okay, Kale. that's your that's your accent, yeah. your buffalo accent, I guess. Um, and then the other thing was, uh, it's not mac and cheese; it's baked mac. They call it, and it, you know, just like a, a basically baked ziti sure. comes out, and it's like five different cheeses, and it's magical. And now I want, damn it, I gotta get back in with the back in with the family. <laughs> Go to that Thanksgiving because <laughs> that was really yummy. All right, intermittent fasting. All right, for Ian Ferguson, we'll see you on Saturday for the hangout. If you're on Patreon. I'm Pat Country. We'll talk to you in a week. In a week. Bye.